0: Our first scripture reading this morning is a gospel reading from the Gospel of Luke, the 13th chapter, verse 34. Jesus says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills its prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often I have desired to gather your children together, just as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing Our second reading this morning is from the book of Hosea, chapter 13, verse 8. I, your God, will fall upon them like a bear robbed of her cubs, and I will tear open the covering of their heart. There I will devour them like a lion, as a wild animal would mangle them. This is the word of God. Let's pray. Loving God, thank you for this amazing morning. Thank you for the gathering of your people into this space, wanting to grow in love towards you. We gather in the hopes of learning what will help us love others. Send your presence here to open our hearts and minds to all you would have us hear and understand and it is the na- in the name of your risen Son, Jesus the Christ, that we gather and pray. Amen. In my very first sermon here as your associate pastor three years ago, I shared what I thought were three pretty remarkable things with you. The first is that I shared that the letter to the Ephesians was probably not just to the Ephesians. I also shared that We really don't think that Paul wrote the letter to Ephesians. And I also referred to the Holy Spirit as she. One of the three of those got a lot of feedback, just one. (laughs) I'm, I'm sensing from your laughter maybe you know which one. The only one that anybody commented on was the fact that I had referred to the Holy Spirit as she. So when I found out I was preaching today on Mother's Day the second to last time I'll preach before I move from this congregation, I thought, what better day to explore this female image of God? We struggle with the idea of God as a woman, God as a female, despite the fact that Scripture has images of it over and over again. There are multiple times in Scripture where the Hebrew and Greek call whatever image of God we're talking about, she, It just doesn't translate into the English. And I think for many of us, it kind of makes us feel uncomfortable to think of God as female. I mean, God's male, right? Many of us start our prayers with Father God, not Mother God. The Lord's Prayer starts with our Father who art in heaven, not our Mother who art in heaven. And how about this one? God is great, God is good. Let us thank her for our food. That just doesn't sound right, does it? So when I read this gospel, and when I read this gospel passage, the one we read today, it's actually in both Luke and Matthew. But I really do enjoy imagining God spreading out her wings and calling her people under her wings to protect them from whatever looming danger is out there. And she'll snuggle them into her body to keep them warm, to keep them safe, so that she knows if just one of them scoots out from under her wings and strays a little bit. But I also know that mothers fill all sorts of roles, some positive and some negative, in our lives. And that's sort of where this passage from Hosea comes in. Here God takes on the role of a mama bear, an angry mama mama bear swooping in to defend her cubs from whatever that she perceives is threatening them. Sometimes I do admit I need that image of that mama bear swooping in to protect me. And I, I lean on that sometimes. So how did our disconnect happen since we need all of these images? How did we lose those strong female models in reference to God? How did we bury them in our translation so deeply that we can't hear them? How did they lose their place in our church? Well, certainly we know that the scriptures that were written in the time of ancient Israel during a very patriarchal time in our society, we understand that, and Christianity was shaped in the time of the Roman Empire, When the pater familias, the oldest living male in a family collection, he had the all right, all authoritarian dictatorship over that family. He chose whether someone lived or died in that family. And we know that this is where Christianity was shaped and formed. And I think as a result, through our language and through our translation of scripture, we've perpetuated the male model of God. And we've done so in spite of the fact that some of the images and some of the language and metaphors of God are female. Well, Why do we do that? Pastor Tracy asked this week in her Constant Contact letter, she said, why are we more comfortable calling God a rock than we are calling God a woman? Well, theologians have been wrestling with this question for millennia and I'm not sure we're gonna resolve it all this morning, but I thought maybe we could wrestle and expand our own understanding a little bit. I think we can ask, how do we try to describe something that is so completely huge and abstract and foreign? How do we describe God? There's this fairly well-known parable about four blind people who are asked to describe an elephant And the first one comes up and has a hold of the trunk of the elephant and says, I know what this is. This is a great big snake. And another one has a hold of the tail of the elephant. And and that one says, no, 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 This, this is a rope. And the third one has one of the elephant's legs. And they're touching it and saying, no, 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 this is a tree. I can feel a great tree trunk in front of me. And the fourth one is touching the elephant and saying, no, 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 it's a wall. I don't know what you all are are sensing, it's a wall. So all four of these blind people are accurately describing what's in front of them. None of them are wrong, but none of them have the bigger picture either. None of them are 100% right. They all have an idea of what's in front of them, but they're missing parts as well. And I think that's kind of like us trying to describe God. We get some aspects, sure, but we struggle to accept when someone else is seeing and describing something that we haven't ever seen before. This friend of mine, who I guess the best way to say it is she's still exploring her relationship with God and religion. But I like to meet with her sometimes and talk about religion because it gives me a different perspective than I typically get. And I'll bounce sermon thoughts off of her, and she, she'll express doubts about things that I've just never thought of, so it's really helpful for me. And I met with her this week, and I told her about this sermon, and she listened really, really carefully. And she said, well, doesn't the fact that Scripture can't seem to settle on one image of God, doesn't that bother you? Does it feel like you don't really know what you're talking about? Like you're all wrong and sort of making it up as you go along? And I thought for a long time before I answered her. And I told her this story that I just told you about the blind people. The problem is, if we're insisting that we're holding on to the tail of that elephant and it's a rope, and we're not able to expand our mind to be able to hear or understand what somebody else might be adding to the picture. We're telling them that they're wrong when they're right too. And she said to me, you know Lisa, that's the thing, is that most Christians I've encountered insist I'm wrong because I have a different understanding of God. I wonder about how privileging one image of God over another, insisting that Father God is right, And mother God is wrong. I wonder how that is disconnecting people from God and the church instead of drawing people to God and the church. The many names and images of God, they don't worry me or make me uncomfortable. And it's actually comforting to know that we are still wrestling to understand God, that we're still trying to dig deep and gain more knowledge. And I think we need both images of God that are in our scripture today. I think we need all images of God. There isn't one that's more right or more accurate. But there are times when we need all of the above. And I think that's particularly true when you consider your own relationship with your parents or how we parent. I know at times... I needed my mom to be that mother hen who was gathering me under her warm, soft wings. I needed to feel her comfort and her love. And at other times, I needed my mom to be the mama bear who was robbed of her cubs and who needed to right some injustice that I felt had been heaped upon me. The thing that's different for me is that I had five older brothers and sisters, my mother worked full-time as a nurse. Sometimes she worked nights and holidays. So it wasn't always her playing that role for me. Sometimes it was my father. Sometimes it was one of my brothers or sisters. The role of mother hen or mama bear, it can be filled with so many different people in our lives. And I think that's what brings us back to Mother's Day. It's kind of a a problem for pastors. We want to honor and appreciate mothers, but we're also really aware that Mother's Day can be really hard for some people, depending on whether they had a mama bear who never ever could be a mother hen, or others who have struggled to become a mother. And we worry about upsetting those who have lost their mothers recently. But again, I think this points to the brilliance of Scripture, the accessibility of all these many, many images. If you're struggling with God as Father, if it doesn't work for you, then God as Mother might be what you need. I want to invite you to take a look at the front of your bulletin. It's probably too small for most of us to read. (laughs) But these are some of the names and images of God. These are some, we couldn't fit them all in this thought bubble. And there's a scripture reference for each one as well. Sorry, I lost my place. (laughs) There's no single monolithic reference to God. Instead, there are so many. And perhaps there are so many... Because like the blind people, we can't see all of God's traits. Perhaps there are so many so that everyone, no matter where you are, what stage of life you're in, has an image to cling to. And I wonder, what image of God, what metaphor for God do you need today? I want to tell you a little story about an image of God that has stayed with me over the last year. It came to me a little over a year ago. I had met a friend for dinner, and she had experienced in the previous year one of the most horrendous divorces I've ever heard of. It turned out she was under extreme emotional manipulation and abuse by her husband, and the divorce was as bitter as you can imagine. She had held on to the image of God as a lion, to get her through that experience. God is a lion that's mentioned multiple times in Hosea and Jeremiah, Isaiah, Lamentations, and Job. It was an image that gave her strength when she was sitting across the table from her ex-husband in mediation. It was an image that she clung to in order to get through that. So this evening when we met for dinner, it actually was just days after her divorce had finalized. She was finally free of her nightmares, and her joy and her relief were just emanating from her. We also talked a little bit about how I was in the midst of reviewing materials for my ordination interviews. And I told her I was dreading these interviews. This was my final step before being recommended or not for ordination. And so as we left the restaurant, my friend held out her hand to me, and I instinctively put my hand underneath. And she released her hand and let go, and my hand was empty. And I looked at her with a funny look like, what what just happened? And she said, here, take my lion. This is the lion's lead. Take my lion. You need it more than I do now. And I watched as she turned on her heel and walked confidently to her car and drove away. She no longer needed that image of God. It was actually freeing to her to let it go. But the thing is, is I needed it. I needed that lion. And I tell you, that lion sat at my feet as I studied and reviewed for my interviews. That lion walked the halls of this church with me. And in the staff meeting... Right before my interviews, the staff gathered around me and laid hands on me, and each of them prayed. And one of the staff members said, God, be a lion at Lisa's side as she enters those interviews. I had not told anyone about my lion. But I think that lion was walking beside me and was so present that others caught that vision without even knowing it and prayed about it. And that lion, let me tell you, that lion walked with me into each and every one of my interviews. That lion leapt up on its paws, put, put its front paws on my shoulders and licked my face when they said, you've passed your interviews. <laughs> and that lion walked beside me when the bishop laid hands on me and ordained me as an elder in this church. What image, what metaphor of God Do you need to take home today? These many images of God, they're not meant to dilute our faith, and they aren't meant to make God seem schizophrenic or fickle. They aren't meant to be wielded against one another as we wrestle over which one is right or wrong. No, I'm convinced that these many images of God are meant to just expand God's presence, to expand God's accessibility to others. These many images of God are meant to meet us exactly where we are and to help us understand and know God better. Amen.